This is Ozarks at Large for Monday, March 6th, 2023, on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Later this hour, Randy Wilburn, the creator and host of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast, talks about his inspiration for starting his collection of hundreds of conversations with people who make up this region. And we'll discuss our new partnership between I Am Northwest Arkansas and Ozarks at Large. First, gambling, especially on sports, is booming in popularity across the country, with one in five Americans reporting they bet on sports in the past year, according to a Pew Research study. And in Arkansas, new mobile gambling apps have more people placing their bets from home. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth has more. If you tune in to almost any sports broadcast on TV, you've likely seen more of these types of ads popping up. $200 instantly. Just for betting five bucks. <laughs> DraftKings, listen to me. Don't forget the play FanDuel's over under What game. you need to do is download the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Mobile gambling and sports betting in particular is on the rise in the U.S. According to the American Gaming Association, money bet on sports went up from $4.5 billion in 2018 to $15 billion in 2020. That's thanks in part to the U.S. Supreme Court, which struck down a federal ban on sports gambling in 2018. Now, more than 30 states allow legal sports betting. In Arkansas, revenue for sports wagers rang in at $186 million in 2022. $122 million of that came through the apps, which were only in place for a brief time in 2022. So that just shows you um, how popular it is. That's Scott Harden with the State Department of Finance and Administration and the Arkansas Racing Commission. He says, like most things, gambling is shifting from a physical casino to the palm of your hand. The old way of thinking, okay, I have to physically get up and and take a trip to even purchase something. I mean, now we have apps on our phones where we can order food and have it show up at the front door. We can um, do so much online. I mean, even here, we oversee the the state revenue offices, the 134 across the state where you uh, renew your your license and you uh, register a vehicle. Uh, Arkansans now expect that those services online. Online and mobile sports betting was legally available in the state starting in 2022. However, all wagers have to be made through one of the state's three casinos, Oaklawn in Hot Springs, Saracen in Pine Bluff, or Southland in West Memphis. The three casinos all launched mobile apps last year. A fourth casino in Russellville was approved by voters in 2018, but has yet to be built. We went from having such a limited number of people in the state with access to a casino to now anyone over 21 years of age physically within the, within the state's borders can place a sports bet. Harden says revenue from betting on the Super Bowl in February hit a record total at $2.8 million, up from $705,000 in 2020. And with March Madness just on the horizon, he suspects those bets will break records as well. But really, I think the sky's the limit when it comes to March Madness, because this is going to be the first full year with the mobile option in place, with March Madness, with the Super Bowl having the mobile option. I think this year, I'd be surprised if we don't see at least a quarter of a billion dollars wedged on sports, if not well over that. Um, Again, because we're going to see record numbers probably every month to month, especially building up to March. And 
this is something that's growing pretty quickly, and more and more Arkansans, I think, are are realizing that it's an option and that it's a legal option. We, when we talk about this, we have people that will say, well, I've been betting sports for, for two or three years. Uh, the, the key word here is legally betting a sports uh, event that, online. That That's the key. But it's not just sports wagers that are growing in the state. Participation in the Arkansas Scholarship Lottery surged early this year from $47 million in 2022 to $56.1 million in revenue this past January. Ashley McNatt is the marketing and advertising director for the lottery. We've noticed this year has been a little bit of a, a crazy year. We've had a lot of hijack pots. We see incremental players, but but we don't see a huge jump until that prize amount gets higher, um, more like seven hundred million. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we do we have seen some incremental um, increase in sales, but um, as with jackpots, but it, it's it's sort of a little bit crazy how the number seems to be going up on and getting gaining interest and getting more players um, from what it used to be. And in December, lottery officials announced that they were looking into online and mobile options too. As of right now, players need to go to a physical location to purchase a lottery ticket. In a five-year strategic plan released from the lottery, director Eric Hagler said online and mobile sales of tickets would be essential to meet consumer demand. McNatt says since launching in 2009, the lottery has become a reliable source of college funding for Arkansas students. It helps students that may not have planned on attending because they have that extra money to help them. And, and really, the scholarship is, is open. The, you know, the requirements, you have to have lived in Arkansas for a year and get a 19 on the ACT and just apply so, so, yeah, I mean, I think it really has benefited. It has helped those students who may not have otherwise gone to school without some help to get them going. Um, so I think it really has had a big impact on um, students in Arkansas. For the fiscal year 2023, she says the Arkansas Academic Challenge Scholarship, which is funded by the lottery, is projected to award $78 million to nearly 28,000 students. And McNatt says that has helped the lottery gain a lot of public approval. What we found through our research is that, yes, it, it sort of changes some opinions. We've tracked that with our, our, our brand tracker research, and we've seen that, um, that people do have a good opinion because of the money that is going back towards scholarships. But when it comes to the possibility of an I-lottery, Scott Harden says that would be up to legislative support. If they were to introduce this, they think the earliest that, that it would be in place would probably be early 2026. So um, this isn't necessarily something that the lottery is pushing and saying, we have to get this here soon. I think we want to, again, look at it, look at it from a safety perspective, look at it, um, how would it affect just overall sales and how would it, I mean, the bottom line is, is college scholarships. So um, what would it do there? So it, we're looking at it. It would take legislation. But as far as implementation, it's not anything that I expect Arkansans are going to see in the next couple of years. But along with all of these avenues and increased access for gambling in Arkansas, something else has been on the rise, too. Uh, As a whole, there are about maybe roughly over 200,000 individuals in the state with gambling issues or compulsive gambling, as we clinically would say. 
The council is now Arkansas Racing Commission's official provider of educational and treatment services for people with gambling disorders. Amendment 100, which officially allowed casinos to operate in the state, also required the state to appropriate funds for people with gambling addiction. However, no resources were put aside until November of last year. And last year, a lawsuit was brought against the Racing Commission and subsequently dismissed once the APGC was awarded the contract. The Racing Commission now sets aside $200,000 to the council, which Shakespeare says works with behavioral health units in the state and the National Council on Problem Gambling. Along with that comes responsibilities from the Problem Gambling Council here to be able to uh, provide resources throughout the community. And that kind of goes over uh, to have counselors and therapists trained to be able to service those uh, calls, uh, that calls of need. She also says APGC is looking into advocacy and research around problem gambling and the impact of technology. She says the council is pushing for regulations that would safeguard at-risk players. Like setting limits, um, also a lot of the gaming uh, that we're seeing uh, with the apps, the new sports betting apps, has you can do what's called like a play pause uh, to where it kind of gives you a small messaging or a timeout within the gaming. And then also just having that kind of playing, I would say, kind of you're balancing your limit, right? And then other preventative methods, uh, messages of having more messages prominently placed for the 1-800 helpline. And Hardin says while mobile gambling is proving to be fertile ground for state revenue, he says the state is taking measures to ensure people do that responsibly and legally. And when you go to sign up for one of these apps, it's not as if you click a button and say, here's my name. I I click a box and say, I assure you that I'm 21. You have to actually provide a a government-issued ID that's cross-checked to ensure that you are who you say you are. So Uh, And then lastly, you have to actually be physically within the the state of Arkansas to place a bet. That's the only place that these apps will actually work. And that technology is so impressive. You can be on one side of the Mississippi River and it won't let you place a bet. You move over to the other side of the other shore and cross the physical border into the state of Arkansas and it goes live. So it is just, uh, it's really impressive, the technology that's available. And, And those safeguards seem to be working. The problem gambling helpline for Arkansas is 1-800-522-4700. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Later on our show, cataloging Northwest Arkansas one interview at a time. I'm constantly scheduling people to come on the podcast, and I try to keep a nice, healthy schedule of people that I'm bringing on to tell their story. We sit down with Randy Wilburn, creator and host of I Am Northwest Arkansas, to find out how his work has introduced him to so many parts of where we live. And we discuss the new partnership between his show and ours. Entries are coming to a close for NPR's annual Tiny Desk Contest. The 2023 contest is open to all unsigned musicians, and submissions are taken until March 13th. All you need is an original song, a video of you performing it, and a desk. You must be 18 years or older to apply, and the deadline is coming up on March 13th. 
For rules and to see current and past entries, go online to tinydeskcontest.npr.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Kyle, tomorrow you are having a conversation with Jerry Mitchell at the Fayetteville Public Library. We just had him on the show last week right. to talk about his book. You were going to be talking more in depth about his book and his work. Right. This is um, the annual Gathering of the Groups event at the Fayetteville Public Library. It's tomorrow night at 6. He's an investigative journalist in Mississippi. He was working for newspapers for a long time. And then he has, as of 2019, founded the Mississippi Center for Investigative Journalism. We're going to be talking specifically about his book, Race Against Time. It was a Pulitzer Prize finalist. Uh, and it, he describes how he worked on as a journalist, but of course prosecutors had to be part of this too, reopening of murder cases of Edgar Evers, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing in Birmingham, and others. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, although... I feel like Jerry and I have a lot of things in common. One thing we do not have in common is that he has received <laughs> MacArthur Genius Grant. That's right. And so that, I believe, helped form the Mississippi Center for Investigative Journalism. Yeah. As I mentioned, he's a Pulitzer Prize finalist. And um, we'll talk about the work it took. And interestingly, the book starts, Race Against Time, starts with him viewing a premiere of Mississippi Burning, mm. the Gene Hackman movie that mm-hmm. was about the Freedom Riders, the three Freedom Riders who were murdered. And he's covering the movie premiere as a journalist. But then there is someone next to him in the theater who is an investigator, uh, who is an investigator a policeman, who doesn't know who Jerry is. He mm. leans over and says, they got that part right. They didn't get that part right. <laughs> and that sort of leads him yeah. down this pathway to investigating those murders, the Medgar Evers murders, and others. Wow. Uh, tomorrow night at the Fayetteville Public Library, where can people find more information about that? Uh, go to faylib.org. I should mention that this year the partner with Gathering of the Groups with Fayetteville Public Library is the Northwest Arkansas Community College Spring Arts and Culture Festival. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting the Eureka Springs Blues Rock and Funk Festival, featuring Ray Wiley Hubbard and Marsha Ball, June 2nd at the Auditorium. Reserve seats on sale this Friday, March 10th at tickets.thundertix.com. During the 2023 legislative session, lawmakers will decide which issues they want to put before the voters on the 2024 ballot. On Sunday... Republican Representative Robin Lundstrom of Elm Spring spoke with Talk Business and Politics about a possible issue that could go before voters. The proposed constitutional amendment would allow lottery scholarship funds to be used for vocational schools. I think it's something that a lot of us agree on both sides of the aisle. Lotteries, when the lottery was founded, um, there was an oversight and we left out Votech. And if we were really serious about Votech, Votech education, we need to put that back into lottery scholarship. And I think that's something that will give us a huge return on investment. And I, I'm hoping it will be one of the ones selected. There is bipartisan support for making this one of the issues legislators defer to voters. The legislature can refer up to three issues to be put on the ballot during the 2022 midterms. Legislators referred three issues to voters. All three failed to pass. Hundreds of students walked out of class at the Little Rock Central High School on Friday to voice their dissatisfaction with the Arkansas Learns Bill nearing final approval in the state legislature. The protest came after a group of students on Tuesday penned a letter to Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a Central High graduate, demanding she stop using the school to advance her agenda. Madison Tucker, who heads the school's chapter of the NAACP, invoked the school's place in the history of the civil rights movement. 
Our school was built on the Litter Op 9 and Governor Sanders goes, she uses that as a way to uh, back up what she has going on for this Learns Act, but that's actually in contradiction of what she is saying because our school is based on those laws that were written in that allowed us to go to school with other white children, that allowed us to have the same things that they have. Members of the Arkansas House of Representatives voted Thursday to send the bill to a final vote in the Senate this week. If approved, the Learns Act will then go to the governor for a signature. Experience Fayetteville is being honored with two of the biggest tourism awards in the state. The firm was named the Tourism Organization of the Year at the 49th Annual Arkansas Governor's Conference on Tourism in El Dorado. Experience Fayetteville was also awarded the Natural State Tourism Award for Art Court, a mix of basketball, murals, and sculpture on Dixon Street. The seventh-ranked Arkansas Razorback softball team is 19-3 after winning all six games in this weekend's Pig Classic at Bogle Park. The Razorbacks are playing Central Arkansas tonight, then open SEC play against Texas A&M at home on Friday. Eighth-ranked Razorback baseball team 9-2 after a three-game sweep of Wright State in Fayetteville this weekend. The 18-game homestand continues tomorrow night with a game against Army, then a weekend series with Louisiana Tech beginning Friday. There is another addition to the Walmart Amp schedule this summer. It was officially announced this morning that Sam Hunt will be on stage in Rogers on August 20th. He's a hillbilly, the first thing I ever seen. What is a hillbilly? Him? Look here, Mom, I can show you. <laughs> ain't that the country feller? <laughs> well, that's what I've always wanted to know. What is a hillbilly? Well, I ain't never seen one myself. But I... This is Ozarks at Large. It's time to go through some prior center archives with Randy Dixon once again. Randy, what did we just hear? Well, uh, that was Lum and Abner. And in their day, uh, they were one of the top-rated uh, radio comedies on the air. And this is, when you say in their day, their day was when radio was king. Right. Golden age. Tens of millions of people would listen to the most popular radio shows yeah. at night. Yeah, pre-television. We're talking right. the 30s. Right. Um, they started in 1931. And they were on until 1954, the mid-50s. When the golden so that, age of radio was dying quickly. Right, right. But, I mean, they they had a go. They're both from Arkansas. They grew up in the MENA area, same age. Uh, Chet Locke was Lum, mm-hmm. and Norris Goff was Abner. And they went to here at the University of Arkansas, and they got a little kind of a routine going. Right. They were entertainers here when they were in Fayetteville. Right. Before Martin and Lewis or Cheech and Chong right. or, you know, uh, the comedy teams that you that you know of over the years. They took their material from where they grew up uh, around the MENA area and especially a town called Waters. Mm-hmm. But – We'll get to that in right. a minute. So uh, after their big careers, they even made some movies. I was going to say they transferred over to some movies, which, while not classics, did well at the box office. Right. They, they made, were household names. Right. They made seven of them. Yeah. But Chet Locke retired to Hot Springs. And, well, here in the 60s, when he was retired, KATV caught up with him, and he was just driving around, and they, they put a camera in the car with him well it was actually on the spur of the moment uh, my partner Norris Goff and I were both living in Mena Arkansas and we had established a sort of a local reputation as blackface comedians and we were invited to appear on the radio station in Hot Springs K 
KTHS. But on our way over, we decided maybe we better not do blackface because Amos and Andy had started, and the two black crows were very popular. There were two or three other teams, like Honey Boy and Sassafras, Molasses in January. So we decided to do two rural characters, small town characters. And just as we went on the air, the announcer said, well, now, what's the name of your act? And we said, well, we hadn't thought about that. I said, well, I'll be Lum Edwards, and, and my partner said, I'll be Abner Peabody. So the announcer said, we'll now have a visit with Lum Edwards and Abner Peabody. Well, they were talking about blackface, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing back then it was fairly common. And they didn't do it because it would be offensive, or they... right. Yeah, they did it because too many other people were doing it. Because African-Americans were not being employed in the entertainment industry. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's where we started in Hot Springs. So after a few shows, I mean just a few shows, they were picked up by NBC Network. And that was in 1931. So let's listen to a little of one of their programs so you can kind of get an idea of what they did. And now as we look in on the little community of Pine Ridge, we find Lum in the Jotham Down store, blocking Abner's path to the door. Listen. Now, wait a minute, Abner. Where do you think you're going? Lum, I've got to mail this letter for Ed Stoddard. Now, just why would Ed Stoddard want you to mail a letter for him? He's the postmaster. Well, not for a while he ain't. See, this letter is to the post office department telling them to send out a, a substitute for to take his place. Why? What's wrong with Ed? Well, you know how absent-minded he's been getting here late. Oh, I know it, I know it. Just the other day I seen him sauntering along in the rain, holding his hand out in front of him like he's carrying an umbrella. He told me later he didn't realize he'd forgot it till the rain stopped and he reached up to close it. <laughs> now, they were off the air by the time I was growing up, but a lot of stations... Well, me had... too. Yes, that's true, that's true. A lot of radio stations in Arkansas would still play their 15-minute shows uh, at some point in the day. And so I grew up listening to Lum and Abner on some AM stations in Arkansas, though they were reruns by that time. Well, they did have a resurgence. Yeah. Um, but in that last clip, you heard about the Jotham Down store. Mm-hmm. Well, that's based on an actual store, Dick Huddleston's general store, which was in the town of Waters. And that's where, you know— Everyone would hang out, and this is where he came up with the name. Here's Chet Locke again. The old Jotham Down store sat right down here, but it burned out ooh, a couple of years ago. It's been rebuilt, but it looks rather modern now. That was the only real name that we used on our show, and uh, he became rather famous because of that. I. I expect there'd been a million visitors in this little store here just to see the locale of the Lumen Abner show. So Pine Ridge. Well, it yeah, yeah. It was a fictional town. Right. But there was this, this is how popular the show was. It, let me put it like this. I had read that in one week they received one and a half million fan letters. Mm. That's so they they were one of the tops. Yes. Anyway, it was so popular that everyone wanted to know where Pine Ridge was. So the town of Waters 
decided to change its name. And in 1936, they had a big ceremony at the state capitol, and they changed their name to Pine Ridge. We're trying to think of a name of a town that uh, would depict this section of the country. We always had this area in mind. And of course, you, as you see, there are lots of pine trees in here and lots of hills and ridges. So it was a sort of a natural conclusion, Pine Ridge. It was originally Waters, Arkansas, but I, because we used the name Dick Huddleston as one of our characters, uh, and he lived in Waters, uh, they were anxious to capitalize on the publicity that we were giving the mythical town of Pine Ridge, so they officially changed the name of the town. So Waters has changed its name to Pine Ridge, and you mentioned that Chet Locke was available for interviews a lot by KATV, but KATV loved doing stories about Lemon Abner. Oh, yeah, they would go over to that part of the state. Mm -hmm. The Washtaws. Right, and go to the store that had now Mm -hmm. cashed in and become the jot-em-down store um, in Pine Ridge. And so KATV talked to a few of the residents who had years before been diehard fans of the show. We we always listened every afternoon. That's when our program come on there. And if I had anything to do, I, do, I would get it done before the, the program started. And I didn't want no disturbance. If I was fixing my evening meal, I got my meal fixed before I started in, before the program come on. And finished it up because I wanted to hear the whole thing. I didn't want no disturbance from anywhere. Had an old uh, battery radio set and we would save that battery every day to get that they were on to get the Lum and Abner show and we just thought there's nothing like it you know and we'd leave our work our chickens or our hogs what we had out on the farm to feed till we got the program before we would go tend to our chores even and uh, of course I knew the boys personally and so did my husband and we just thought it was wonderful. So another thing I found in the archives Chet Locke actually did some work for KATV. He, uh, well, one of the things he did, you know, when the McClellan Kerr lock and dam system, they, they started opening the dams and there'd be a ceremony for every one of them. I think there were 17. But KATV did a program, a 90-minute documentary from both sides, both states, the Arkansas and Oklahoma. And so... Ben Combs, who was the program director at the time, got Chet Locke to narrate the Arkansas side and the Oklahoma side, he got Will Rogers Jr. Oh, wow. But here's Ben talking about the project. So in 1968, I was the public affairs director, KTV, and I decided that we needed to do a documentary about the Arkansas River because it was about to become navigable. But I called Chet and I said, would you be willing to narrate the Arkansas portion of this 90-minute documentary that we're going to play at the dedication and then we're going to play it on KTV for the television audience? And he said, I would love to. Will Rogers once jokingly said that it would be cheaper to pave the Arkansas than to make it navigable. 
And the figure does come out to about $2,700,000 per river mile. As chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee and sort of in charge of our purse strings, how do you justify this $1,200,000,000 expenditure? This type of a program cannot be done by a private uh, enterprise. It must be done by government. And uh, the only way government can do it, of course, is to use the tax revenues that are taken from individuals to carry it out. You also heard in there um, Congressman Wilbur Mills. Yes. Uh, he was the, the person uh, Chetlock interviewed mm-hmm. there at the end. And at the time, of course, he was chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee and the most powerful, one of the most powerful right. men in Washington. Also in the 60s, uh, a Hot Springs radio station, you were talking about mm-hmm. reruns. They started a resurgence of the Lum and Abner show. And here's a report uh, from KETV's Ben Hogan about that. From the observation tower here in Hot Springs, you can see where one of the most successful radio shows of all time began some 37 years ago. Lum and Abner, a comedy team utilizing the rural humor of country folk, became well-known figures in households all across the country. After 20 years of being off the air, the old tapes are being revived here in Hot Springs with a great deal of success. Chester Locke, better known as Lum, makes his home here in the spa city today. Well, I'm very pleased about it being revived. It's the first time I've ever been able to listen to the show personally. I, I never could get home in time when we were performing. And I have hopes that this might spread to other sections of the country. I think it's significant that we revived it here in Hot Springs, where the program originated in the very beginning, 1931. Do you think that this revival of Lum and Abner might be a a starting place for the revival of some of the other great Golden Era radio shows? Well, I think so. Uh, Judging from the response to uh, the few weeks that it's been on locally here in Hot Springs, indicates that other programs would be similarly received. Someday soon, the Lum and Abner programs, which millions of Americans enjoyed, may be back on the air all over Arkansas. Their success may mark a revival of the golden age of radio. This is Ben Hogan, KTV News in Hot Springs. And now back to B.J. Sams in Little Rock. I think as recently as, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago up here, Kerm 790 AM was still playing, I think, in the morning. Wow. Uh, some, and I'll tell you, I would listen occasionally. I couldn't understand a lot of what was being said. They had those thick, really kind of put-upon character accents. Well, and the quality of the recording exactly, wasn't very exactly, good, exactly. which exactly. didn't help. Right, right. But you're right. I went through a lot of them. I mean, you, you can pick them up. You know, on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of the episodes, they're just... Especially the later years. Later years... Right. Because they would record them and rerun them on the West Coast. But I, yeah, I found some as early as 1935, wow. though. Yeah, none earlier than yeah. that. So I'm guessing the first few years are, you know, gone. Right. Much like a lot of... Sure. Uh, ...television, especially. They would record over the videotapes. Yeah, the first few seasons of the Johnny Carson show are lost because they didn't think it was valuable enough to keep them. That's right. That's right. Uh, one more thing is there. there's still a Pine Ridge. It's between, I guess you'd say, Mount uh, Ida mm-hmm. and Mina. Mm-hmm. You better Google map it. 
beautiful country, but uh, remote. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, there are some signs, though, but I've been there, and it's uh, the general store and a little museum next door, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of memorabilia, and you, you can get souvenirs and things there. Now, for years, and I don't know if it's still happening, this might be something that the pan, that was not doing so well in the pandemic may have finished it off. There used to be Lemon Abner days in Mina. And these started as these these couple of guys who were just aficionados. They had discovered, you know, the reruns of Lemon Abner uh-huh. and were fans of Golden Age of Radio. And there would be a weekend in uh, Mina, which would attract old-time radio fans from everywhere. And they'd, for a long time, they'd try to get someone that was associated with the Lemon Abner show, but then that was harder to do. But they would get veterans of the Golden Age of Radio, sometimes the children, you know. Uh, How did of, you go? I went one year. And uh, you know who I interviewed that year was Fred Foy, who was the announcer for the Lone Ranger. Oh, wow. And he was there. He and I had a great conversation about the end of the Golden Age of Radio. But he made a transition. He became, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to look this up. But he became the sort of Ed McMahon for maybe Dick Cavett oh. or Joey Bishop. But he kind of made the transition over to television. Not uh, all of them not did. Not long. No, but, I mean, he was still alive in the 90s. Yeah? Yeah. I'll have to find wow. that interview. Wow. Well, uh, shall we close out mm-hmm. like they did back in the That's day? Right. All right. Well, what, see you next week? Uh, and this, we're going to close out. This is from 1935? Yes. That's the earliest thing I okay. found. And it's brought to us by? Horlick's Malted Milk Tablets. Randy Dixon is with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. These nourishing, energy-giving tablets are an excellent means of helping children ward off fatigue and hunger when playing or at school. The delicious candy-like flavor is one that children love, and they will gladly take a supply of tablets to school with them. Horlick's Malted Milk Tablets can be easily carried in a coat pocket or purse. And that's why they are such handy things to take along on shopping expeditions, on motor and hunting trips. A few tablets dissolved in the mouth when you begin to feel tired or hungry will pep you up, satisfy your hunger. When you're at your work, Horlick's tablets will keep you going at top speed on days when you can't get out to eat on time. Horlick's malted milk tablets can be purchased in both natural or chocolate flavors. They come in handy pocket-sized flasks for 10 cents which can be readily refilled from the larger sizes. This is Carlton Brickert speaking for Lum and Abner and Horlicks, who bid you all good night and good health. Tomorrow on Ozarks, we learn about eBird, an app for amateur and expert birders with billions of global followers. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich has that report, plus Good Madison, an honors college seminar that includes exercise and nutrition and discussions about health and medicine. Ozarks at Large tomorrow at noon and at 7 p.m. or by listening to the Ozarks at Large podcast. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting the Eureka Springs Blues Rock and Funk Festival, featuring Ray Wiley Hubbard and Marsha Ball, June 2nd at the Auditorium. Reserve seats on sale this Friday, March 10th at tickets.thundertix.com. Arkansas Community Foundation has a vision for communities in Arkansas to become the places your kids will want to raise their kids. 
By strategically funding local nonprofits, ARCF provides not only resources, insight, and inspiration, but also statewide impact to build better communities. More at ARCF.org. The podcast I Am Northwest Arkansas takes an approach we can appreciate at Ozarks at Large, attempting to illustrate the region one interview and story at a time. Founder and host of the podcast, Randy Wilburn, isn't a native of the area, but his deep interest in almost everything and his passion for others' stories has helped the podcast grow from a labor of love to a business and a depository of hundreds of conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and people committed to living and working in Northwest Arkansas. Beginning this week, I am Northwest Arkansas and Ozarks at Large are working together. Each week, we'll share an excerpt from a new episode. And we'll also be sharing from time to time archives from the I Am Northwest Arkansas Library. To mark the occasion, we asked Randy to come back to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to talk about the podcast and his nearly all-inclusive approach to it. And I've said this a lot of, uh, over and over again is that, you know, the only two things that I don't really talk about are politics and religion. I, I mean, I think we're all political animals. Uh, and 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 that, I'm saying that in a in a, an expressive way, not like in a negative way. It's right. just that we all have we all have a we all have a, a a leaning towards something, a belief system. And then you know we all have a belief system, whether we believe in God or we don't. And so, um, you know, those are two very intensely personal and intensely important subjects to me. But they're they're subjects that I believe get enough coverage. Right. Mm-hmm. But people listening to my podcast know, well, there's something about you. Are you a Christian? I get I get asked that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely am a Christian. You get asked that. I get asked that. Well, not not like not in that way. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, I could tell there was something about you. You're a believer, aren't you? And I I'm see. like, yeah, of course. I believe in God. I love God. And, uh, you know, he, he is you know, he is uh, my rock. And and so but that's for me. Right. And and so but I don't I don't put that on anybody else because that's that's just who it is. And. You know, I don't want to I don't my goal is is really to kind of share my platform with as many people as I can share it with. And it's not by virtue of, you know, only the certain type of people that are this way or that way. It's just those are the two subject matters that I've just I have felt, oh, it's easier if I don't talk about those. Right. No, I get you that. Know. Did you think when you started? Yeah, there's enough for 240, 350, 500 interviews in this region. So I have a friend that has an episode called I Am Salt Lake, and he and he's just all about Salt Lake City. Now, he has gone into full-time real estate work now. He still does the podcast, um, but he started that podcast a long time ago, and he's hit like episode five-something. Yeah. And it just, again, it took on a life of its own, and it just kind of, it was, it was a passion play, just like. I am Northwest Arkansas is a passion play. It has now become a business, but it was a passion play at first. And that's honestly what has sustained me over time. I could keep going. And as I told you earlier, you know, I'm constantly scheduling people to come on the podcast. And I try to keep a nice, healthy schedule of people that I'm bringing on to tell their story. It's also helpful that you're in a region that continues to grow and have new things. I mean... I think yeah. it's probably outpacing your ability to get everyone on that you'd want to get it, on. It, you know, and it's, Kyle, it is. It is. That's the one difficult piece, right? My how, a. How do I remain relevant to all parties involved? Meaning, I'm. I want to remain relevant to the people that are um, thinking about moving to Northwest Arkansas as much as I want to remain relevant to the people that already live here. 
and maybe need some information about a new program, uh, a new service, a new restaurant, something new that they they want to um, incorporate into whatever they're doing on a regular basis. And it's 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 just that's what the podcast has afforded me is the opportunity to, to continue to do that. So as long as I have health and I can breathe and I can speak, which I think I can do, then I will continue to do this podcast in some variation. So well, and the one of the great luxuries you have is time. Yeah. You can have a real conversation with your guests. It's not in and out. Right. And, and you know, I think when we last spoke, or I had, maybe I had mentioned that in a former life, I worked uh, in, in broadcast news. I worked at ABC. I worked for Nightline, for World News Tonight, where, you know, I mean, of course, it wasn't so much if it bleeds, it leads, although it was. Mm. It was just it was it's a different animal. And here I get a chance to really unpack things and have a real conversation. And I, I get... Um, I get the time to to really tell someone's story. And I think that's important. And whether that story takes 25 minutes or whether it takes 55 minutes, I'm going to tell that. Now we're working together. I know. KUAF Ozarks at Large and I am Northwest Arkansas, which I'm kind of embarrassed it took four years, but we did have a pandemic in the middle. Yes, we did have a a nasty pandemic to deal with. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people lost their lives and a lot of a lot of families have been fundamentally changed because of of this uh, you know dreaded COVID nineteen. But and workplaces um, and relationships, everything. everything, yeah, everything has changed. The, the dyna- dynamic of how we work has changed fundamentally, um, for actually for the better. But you know, of course, there's always going to be people out that are going to question whether or not um, teamwork is ever going to be the same again because of the way people are going to want to work moving forward. Like my kids, I have a, I have an 18 year old, a 16 year old, and a 12 year old going on 30 that all believe that you know working from home or or you know the AMI school day and working and doing that is is a natural thing. Whereas you and I, we're, we're, we're contemporaries in age. That was never, we were never home. No. And we were never home when we were home. So right. <laughs> it was always something to be done. And, and and whether we were out working in the yard or out playing wiffle ball or out with friends or, you know, running across the stream or you name it, we were always out doing something. And it's just different nowadays. And and I think that's, that's the case for every generation, right? They're going to have a different experience. But I would say that my kids' generation, which I think, what are they, Generation A or the they're 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 uh they i don't they think keep, we've landed they, on they, a... they keep changing the name but it's it's they are truly um the digital generation mm-hmm. um where everything that they do is coded in ones and zeros um it is it has allowed them to just process information at a rapid pace to do things intuitively that we it would have taken us a long time to do and even still to this point, it's why so many parents marvel at their kids' ability to process information and do things a certain way um, that, you know, maybe they struggled with when they were growing up mm-hmm. at that age. It's just different. It, yeah. That's just it. Yeah. But we're going to – Ozarks at Large will feature some excerpts, some teasers. I'm excited about of episodes. That. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I'm too. excited. I mean, I have a huge archive. And, and we'll and, be and, dipping into that as it, well. Yeah, and there's some good – and then there will be continue a continuation of great stories that are being told. You know, I'm excited about all of the um, relationships that I'm building through the podcast, including – 
uh, here with KUAF. Uh, NPR has always been a foundational bedrock for me uh, and from a listening perspective. Uh, of course, fresh. I've been a huge Fresh Air oh. fan for years, and when I got to meet Terry Gross, I, you know, I was just I was like a fanboy, just gushing when 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 I sat down with her, and I was like, oh my gosh, you, you know, and I I just you know, there's something about it, right? And and um, I can remember because of my grandfather's involvement with media. You know, when he would work with the National Black Network in New York City in the 70s, and then, you know, I think of like, I grew up listening to 1010 Wins. You give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. All right, we're going to start hearing some excerpts, uh, both from the archives and current. And at the end, we'll send people to where they can go, but let's do that now. Yeah, absolutely. At at any point in time, if you hear anything from I Am Northwest Arkansas, you can obviously um, just visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com, which is the website. Uh, If you are just into subscribing to the podcast, you can find it on every uh, major platform, including the KUAF mm-hmm. platform. That's right. Um, and eventually, maybe at some point in time, it'll be on NPR One. Yep. Uh, but you can go to iHeartRadio. You can go to Spotify, Google, Amazon. Stitcher. It doesn't matter. Stitcher, you name it, it's there. And you can subscribe to the podcast, and it will, you know, it will be released every Monday right into your phone. And you know, you can hear who I'm talking to and the latest, greatest that's happening here in Northwest Arkansas. Continued success. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This is going to be a fun ride, and I'm really looking forward to um, our, our continued relationship and and just what this this next season it means for both KUAF and the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Randy Wilburn is the founder and host of the podcast I Am Northwest Arkansas. You can find out more about it at IamNorthwestArkansas.com and at the Instagram and Facebook feeds for the show. You'll be hearing excerpts from current and past interviews from the podcast on future editions of Ozarks at Large. From Little Rock, I'm Stephen Cook with Arkansas. Oliver King Perry was born October 10, 1914, in Forest City in St. Francis County in East Arkansas. He dabbled in violin, bass, trumpet, piano, and drums before settling on clarinet and alto sax because it was in demand by bands. Perry is said to have attended Storer College in West Virginia in the early 1930s to study music and arrangement, and afterward formed his first own band, a quintet. King Perry and his group played clubs in Chicago and Detroit while based out of Gary, Indiana. In 1945, the band joined a short western tour with Scatman Carruthers and the Nat King Cole Trio. When the tour ended in Los Angeles, California, however, all of the performers were abandoned without their pay. Perry arranged for a few gigs so the band could return home, but the band instead proved so popular it stayed and got a recording contract with Mellow Disc Records, which released King Perry Blues, heard here, recorded in 1945 and credited to the King Perry Quintet. Another of Perry's later bands would be called the Pied Pipers. Everybody's talking about a chicken. Oh, a chicken is a wonderful word. Hey, anywhere you go, you're bound to find a chicken ain't nothing but a bird. See, some folks call it a fowl. That's just one story I've heard. You can let them call it this, I'll let them call it that, but a chicken ain't nothing but a bird. King Perry and Band also cut A Chicken Ain't Nothing But a Bird at the same 1945 session, recorded five years earlier by rhythm and blues pioneer and Brinkley, Arkansas native Louis Jordan, who Perry had based his band upon and who was then at the height of his popularity.
one thing I think you ought to know You ain't nowhere if you ain't got no dough So keep a dollar in your pocket Keep a dollar in your pocket Cause you'll find in the end Your dollar is your only friend King Perry subsequently recorded for a raft of West Coast labels, including Dot, Specialty, RPM, Lucky, Deluxe, and Hollywood. But the closest thing to a hit the Arkansas native had was his version of Keep a Dollar in Your Pocket on the Excelsior label in 1948, credited to the King Perry Orchestra. rise of rock and roll further complicated King Perry's quest for breakout success. Handsome, talented, and charismatic as he was, and with such exposure as his own daily television show on KTTV in Hollywood. Perry took a long break from performing music, but kept an interest in the business, offering a music publishing house called Royal Attractions, and running his own label, Octave Records, on which he released comedy albums. Following a move to Bakersfield, Perry became a successful realtor in Southern California and played occasionally as a one-man band. In the 1980s, King Perry, by then in his late 60s, retired from real estate and fully returned to music. St. Francis County native King Perry died February 5, 1990 in Bakersfield, California, a supremely musically talented footnote in the development of R&B and rock and roll. Here in its entirety is Arkansas' your King Perry of Forest City and St. Francis County in East Arkansas with Sarah Sarah, recorded in April 1949. Oh, Sarah, Sarah, sitting in the shoe giant shop. All day long she sits and shines, all day long she shines and sits. Sarah, Sarah, sitting in the shoe giant shop. She sits and shines, shines and sits, sits and shines, shines and sits. Sarah, Sarah, sitting in the shoe giant shop. I make a mucho dinero. Ah, Sarah, she likes to make much of money. Pancho! You know Sarah, she quit the shoe giant job. She don't work in the shoe giant parlor no more. She work in the gravel pit. Listen! Oh, Sarah, Sarah, working in the gravel pit. All day long she picks and sits, all day long she sits and picks. Sarah, Sarah, working in the gravel pit. She picks and sits, she sits and picks, picks and sits and she sits and picks. Sarah, Sarah, working in the gravel pit. I'm a yeah. 
so happy. She's so happy. She's sitting in the new car. I buy her for the birthday. But she don't go no place. She just sits in the car. Listen. Oh, Sarah, Sarah, sitting in her new Chevrolet. All day long she sits and ships. All day long she ships and sits. Sarah, Sarah, sitting in her new Chevrolet. She sits and ships, ships and sits, sits and ships, ships and sits. Sarah, Sarah, sitting in her Chevrolet. Ah, babaluwa King Perry of Forest City with Sarah Sarah from 1949. It's another song of Arkansas. From Little Rock, I'm Stephen Cook with Arkansongs. Arkansongs is a production of Experiment Station Studios. Producer is Keith Merks. Arkansongs since 1998. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Altus. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, Randy Dixon, and Stephen Cook, with additional help from our friends at KUAR. As well as talk business and politics. So thank you all very much. Matthew produced today's program in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. The weather forecast this evening for the KUAF listening area, mostly cloudy skies with lows around 49 to 56 degrees. Tomorrow in northwest Arkansas, 20% chance of showers and partly sunny skies in the River Valley with highs in the upper 50s to low 60s. We have a few more days of nice weather, and then it's going to cool off a little bit, Kyle. Yeah, but it's A, we're not talking snow. That's true. We're not talking ice. (laughs) B, this is my happiest time of the year because whatever, even if it was snow and ice, bring it. This is March. <laughs> Summer is just around the corner. It's it's poking its head out. It's it's making it, its way here. Well, yes, and today is yesterday was beautiful too. So I'm happy. Bring on your your rain and your cooler temperatures <laughs> from the Carver Center for Public Radio. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us.